This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I'm joined in studio with Jim Sebastio. Jim, good to see you. It's been a little while. It has been, Brian. Good to see you as well. We took a little bit of a break, both of us, in trying to rest and care for our own souls, and um, and that may be a future podcast we talk about, but we want to uh, we want to talk about a, a different topic that we get asked about a lot that's quite frankly hard to to talk about, but we're going to address it, try to serve you. Before we do that, just a couple of quick things. One is, is this, if this podcast has been helpful to you, would you go to iTunes and leave us a review there? It helps us just grow and do this as, as well as we can. Also, if you've been helped by this ministry, to go to practicalshepherding.com and click on the donate button and, that, and you can give to the ministry there. That would be very helpful if anybody is able to do that. For today in this episode, we're going to discuss pastoral falls. There's been a lot in the news recently. It seems to always be there, but especially with the celebrity pastor culture that we live in, we get we hear about more of these all the time, certainly. And when someone who's a very popular, well-known pastor falls morally in some way, uh, it's just it it gets the news. Even even the non-Christian world notices. And we're going to talk about this because we know it's on a lot of people's minds, especially every time we hear about this. A pastor thinks about himself. A pastor thinks about maybe friends. Church members think about their own pastor. This is a this is a serious issue. And so I first want to say before I throw it to you for just some kind of biblical context to talk about this, that we get asked about this quite often, both of us in different contexts. I'll speak personally. It's This is a hard conversation for me because um, I, I get, I struggle with uh, feeling just just fear in the reality of falling, that any any of us can fall, uh, the shame it brings upon Christ and ourselves and our family and our ministry. There's just so much at stake, and I just feel the weight of that. And uh, so I just want to own that from the very beginning that this is a hard conversation. I, I don't want to write about it a lot of times. I don't want to uh, I don't want to talk about it to where people hear me talk about it, where it can come back to me if if you know if. For some reason that I, that I fall at ministry and in, in, in the same way many of these others, I I pray and hope I never will. But uh, but that's the topic, and we feel like we need to address it in some way. So Jim, would you kind of give a, a context on how pastors need to be thinking about this biblically? Why is this an important conversation for us? Yeah, thanks, Brian. And I agree with you that this is a hard thing to deal with, and I recognize that when we put ourselves out there and talk about something like that and you you do run the risk of either sounding you know perhaps arrogant or uh, again that this could someday be used as the well he's the guy who spoke on this subject and, and look what happened to him but this is so crucial because of one of the primary primary texts we use in our pastoral ministries and that's in first Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16 and it says, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourselves and those who hear you, or save yourself, it says, and those who hear you. Right. And obviously, in context of all of the Word of God, that does not teach us that, not, uh, that either we or our people are justified 
because we are orthodox and careful in our living. Correct. But it does say something very important about our own salvation and the salvation of those who hear us. It does deal with that, and you have to understand that that puts it into the highest possible category that we maintain personal integrity and doctrinal integrity over the long haul. Our moral failure may be the prelude of apostasy, just as a doctrinal failure may be the prelude to apostasy, both in ourselves and in those who hear us. And there is a connection very often between uh, a leader's moral life, moral integrity, uh, and the vitality of those who are under that ministry. And, And there are stories out there of what happens when a man falls doctrinally and he leads people into damning heresy, or what happens when a man falls morally and the confusion that that brings uh, into the heart and lives of those who hear him, is anything real, is, all of, is any of this true, is everybody a fake, is everybody a phony, is it all just words, mm-hmm. and that can have a very detrimental effect upon uh, somebody's soul who is hearing us. So biblically we can see that it is, this is an important topic just by what Paul's writing to Timothy there. But I think we do, and even everybody listening to this, knows this is a weighty topic because every time we hear of a pastoral fall of some kind, uh, whether it's doctrinally or whether it's morally, uh, we all feel the weight of that. It may be somebody who we loved and appreciated their ministry, um, but as we've talked about before, this has hit us personally. Like we have friends, right. who, we have people we've done ministry with and served right. with in ministry, close friends who have, you know, committed adultery, left the church, apostatized. I mean, all kinds of things. Right. So we want everybody to know, as Jim and I are talking about this, this isn't just the reality as we see in the celebrity culture where people fall in that context. It's regular pastors that we know and love, that we appreciated their ministry, that we're doing a lot of good, uh, faithful ministry in in their particular churches you know, have yeah. a massive fall somewhere. Right. And it's not just sexually. I mean, that tends to be the one that catches right. the attention. Uh, you know, so-and-so committed adultery. Uh, this person was found in an, in a, in an affair, mm. a term I don't like to use. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it can be in regard to finances. The man's turned out to be a thief. It can be. It can turn out to be uh, he is a bully. He's become angry and abusive. It can be a deceptive lifestyle, uh, somebody who's plagiarizing, exaggerating, anything that deters from that man's integrity to the point that he's not able to function uh, in that role. And there is a connection between... Uh, our ability to stand in front of the Lord's people and address their consciences from the Word of God and our own life. And I think that's part of the reason why the major qualifications for a man in the ministry have to do with his moral character and not so much with his giftedness. So how do we need to think about this, Jim? What, what In this time that we have, how should we think through, uh, how should we talk about this the particular time? How do we help somebody listening to this yeah. talk about this and sort through it for our, for our own souls to be able to take heed. Right. Well, I think, Brian, the probably the major text that comes to my mind when I hear that another one has fallen, 
my mind goes back to First Corinthians chapter ten over and over again, and and there's a a couple of things in that passage that are, I think are very relevant to this situation, and and in the context, Paul is addressing the sin of the Corinthians. And he uses the Old Testament illustration of the wilderness generation and how they had had great spiritual experiences in being delivered from Egypt, went through the Red Sea and all of the rest. They heard the voice of God on Mount Sinai, and yet they went and rose up to play, and they uh, made a golden calf, and he tells them, that those things are written for our instruction, that we should not become idolaters, we should not commit sexual immorality, that we should not tempt Christ, that we should not complain. And he says in verse 11, oh, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And what can happen is that you can have perhaps a degree of spiritual arrogance or comfort that perhaps is based upon spiritual experience or giftedness or usefulness or knowledge. And you think to yourself, well, now that I know these truths, now that I'm in ministry, now that I have been used and people have been converted under my ministry or God seems to be owning my ministry. And, and Paul is saying to us, listen, take heed. You got to remember other people have had fantastic spiritual experiences and those spiritual experience and that knowledge, including hearing the voice of God on Mount Sinai, walking through the Red Sea is not enough to keep you And if you think to yourself that I'm okay, let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And so when you hear the news or when I hear the news that another man uh, has fallen uh, for whatever reason, they've left the ministry, whether it's pornography or uh, his heart began to stray or, again, the finances, Finances, adultery, adultery, it can be any any host of things that you not grow arrogant think well how how in the world how dare he do that you need to recognize i think it needs to begin brian with the recognition and this was part of what you were saying is that i'm made of the same stuff and i need to be i need to watch myself and i need to watch myself really every day for the rest of my life i think is the is the major lesson that you have to take to heart in that so the, the first main takeaway then on this issue you would say and i agree is that we that every pastor, not just every pastor, but every man and woman who's even listening to this, and you see someone fall, the most dangerous place you can be is to think that won't be you. Right. The the scripture, the warnings in scripture are to take heed lest you fall. So there's got to be a place where uh, we have to feel a sense of fear and yes. vulnerability and weakness. I, I can say that you know, as I look back in my early years of ministry. You know, I I remember being more just judgmental about those right. who were fallen, and tw- the twenty years later, I f- I'm in an, where I have more experience, older, hopefully wiser. You know, one of the things that I feel an exact opposite to that, and I feel more fear and wanting to to realize I need to be really careful with it. And the other thing that strikes me about this is this is this is not a respecter of of. Abilities, gifts, or even age. I remember right. seeing some some older pastors who fall in these ways. Right, men in their in their sixties and in their seventies, and 
And I remember thinking to myself that, uh, you know, surely the the struggle changes at, at that point. A man who's walked with God that long and is that seasoned in ministry and knows the pitfalls and knows the caution and knows the passages that say, take heed and, you know, take heed lest right. you fall. That doesn't matter. I, you made the statement that we have to guard ourselves for the rest of our life. It does not matter where we are in life. We'll always have to guard against this. Yeah, you don't reach a point of saying, well, I've been in ministry 30 years now, or I've attained th- this degree of knowledge, uh, and therefore I can I can unloosen my armor. Uh, I can afford to take the breastplate off or the helmet off or something right. like that and think that I won't uh, succumb to any attack. I think everybody everybody listening to this or most I would say would agree with us that that is the big takeaway when we see a pastor fall that it to be that which makes us take heed and evaluate our own life evaluate the things that we're doing to recognize when we are potentially weak and vulnerable and tempting or t- tempted to to sin in those ways maybe in ways that would would cause us to destroy our ministry and our in our life what are some Let's think about so some other things people may be feeling when you you may have a, a friend that that commits adultery. Right. I've had a friend that's committed adultery and and just uh, blew his family up in his ministry. And you know, so, so a pastor listening to this, or even a, a church member who's experienced this with a pastor, or a friend, uh, how should uh, how should we encourage people to work through the anger, sadness? The what 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 are some what are some appropriate ways to try to deal with those things? I I do think there's something there is something appropriate to that shock and that anger and that disappointment. I think some of that can be righteous, but again, we have to make sure that it doesn't turn into a kind of self righteousness, self exaltation, and then you know just throwing all your ammunition at, at somebody without recognizing that I have the same heart, I have the same possibilities that this or that could happen to me. Uh, I think we need to work through that, and I think we need to get quickly to that point. I mean, again, initially, I think there's sometimes you shake your head because you recognize that this is, well, let me back up and say, there was a time, Brian, when I thought to myself, when certain men fell, like Jimmy Swaggart or Jim Baker, these guys, and I thought, well, of course, I mean, they're, they're theologically so far off it didn't surprise me Mm. and then it began to happen to people that i know people that had good theology people who had had really profound ministries in some cases you know men that had a really strong impact on on how i how i learned to preach and how i learned to pastor let's say this men who speak at the conferences we like to attend yeah and that, that's really where it hits home in yeah and, and then you have so theologically and then sometimes you have people that are i mean they're not they're preaching you know robust christ-centered doctrinal conscience piercing sermons while at the same time living in compromise and that's when you get scared you get angry you get confused you think well how in the world does that happen and how how does it appear to have the blessing of god and and you know you'd like to think to yourself okay the first time you dare to step into a pulpit after you committed adultery that you know that you'd be so frightened that lightning would come down or Mm. or that there would be such an evident lack of gift you know because we believe that preaching in order to be really useful needs to be anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit 
And if the Spirit of God is grieved, well, how does that guy still preach a great sermon? And that's scary because then you think, well, maybe I could do that too. Well, I think it's scary also because I don't think we have a good answer to that. I, I think that that generally is true, but we've seen it we've seen it happen that there's men who have powerful ministries that God uses to, to bless others right. who are, who are uh, living in a, a double life completely right. in a lot of ways. And so I think that's one of the takeaways that's important for us to realize is to not make a judgment that someone is being unfaithful because their ministry seems to be ordinary. Right. And to not conclude that man must be a really godly man and a faithful man since he's speaking at this conference or he's doing all this or his church is this big. We need that's a really a place we need to be very careful about evaluating somebody's ministry. Right. At least that's one of the takeaways for me, I think, when yeah. I see these these men who fall who showed to live double lives and uh, but their ministry seemed to, you know, to flourish in that. I think it also shows that, you know, we we ultimately will we ultimately will be found out. We reap what we sow in many of these yeah. cases. And so I think for a time, God may bless some ministry. But sooner or later, that, that usually catches up with, with people in the midst. It may be decades down the road, but it does. Brian, there is in these passages, or there's something sober. I think there's also something hopeful that I want to talk about. And so he says, Therefore, let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. He seems to be indicating in that that if you do take heed and if you do walk in humility that you won't fall. Mm. And I think we need I think we yeah. need to encourage guys. I think that we need to avoid a sense maybe that something's inevitable, you know. I mean, right. It's like if you watch, you know, this, you know, uh if my son's a pitcher in baseball and you see kids blow out their arm and you sit there and watch and go, oh, man, when's his arm going to yeah, blow out? Right, right. And to recognize that doesn't have to happen. That, that doesn't happen to everybody, and it doesn't have to happen. And I think what we, we have to avoid in our own lives and our people have to avoid is the thought that, well, they're all going to get exposed. They're all hypocrites in the end. Everybody's just, Because everybody's just a man, and everybody has feet of clay, and everybody's heart is susceptible that, you know, in one way or another— it doesn't. It, it, I think what that text is saying is, you know, there is a way to be careful. There is a way that you don't flirt with danger. Right. Uh, there is a there. There is a place of safety. And so I've used the example in, in days gone by. You know, um, so I've been to the Grand Canyon. The people who fall at the Grand Canyon are those who dabble at the edge. Hmm. If if you're back five feet. I mean, not that you, you know, maybe, but you know what I'm saying? If you're back five feet or 10 feet, you're not going to fall in the Grand Canyon. Right. In fact, you could afford to stumble mm -hmm. a little bit and fall down on the ground. Yep. And you even have a little bit of room to, you know, roll around. Yep. And you're not going to fall over the edge because you're far enough back. <clears throat> and so the question is maybe what are those areas of life that, that, keep you again be careful again of putting your hope and trust in any one thing but that means that may be used of god that allow a man to walk in safety yeah you make an excellent point i, I want to reiterate that by when you see articles about the that next pastor that fell in some fashion rarely in that same article do they quote the hundreds of pastors who didn't fall that Correct. week and so i think it's important as we listen to this we feel the weight of it we feel the fear of knowing we all could fall in the same way, and that make us take heed 
to and be more cautious and guarded. I think we need to. It needs to be put in perspective when you know if you if we've heard of five or six falls in the last let's say month, you know right. how many pastors didn't fall? How many exactly. pastors just faithfully well, plotted right. along? So I think we need to make sure we're balancing this out while we're looking at the men who are faithful right. and have done it. You and I know men 60, 70, 80 plus years old, right. <clears throat> pastored 40, 50 years who haven't fallen. Who, right, yeah. Don't live with this uh, paralysis uh, of thinking every day, it's going to be me, it's going to be me, it's going to be That's me. That's right. But you should be thinking, it, it, you know, at the same time recognizing it could be if I don't take heed, if I think I'm beyond this. And, and so that's the tension right. on the one hand of believing that, Lord, if I will, if I will walk in integrity today and, and then as I wake the next day, Lord, if I will walk in integrity today, because mm-hmm. I think what we recognize is when a man falls, it's generally the result of a long descent. Yes. Uh, spiritually, emotionally, perhaps physically, a number of other factors may come into that, uh, that bring a man into that position of vulnerability. And you, know, you bring up an interesting point that needs to be said, and as we wrap this up, <clears throat> that the what the pattern I found, especially in s- several men who have been close friends of mine, and I know their church situations, is that it was, it was never... It, it, rarely is it that drop-off. Right. It, it's a gradual descent... It's a long period of pattern. You've seen this in the the ones that are well known, as well as right. I can I, I can think of several in my own life, friends that I have, where there were years of warning signs, even people confronting them about this in their own mm-hmm. life and in their church, and the fall finally happened. So, you know, I think that's the one thing that one thing that should encourage us is that rarely is this a one time thing. This is a pattern, and some of these men who are who are falling publicly, like in their sixties to show a pattern of even decades of ministry of unwise decisions that led to these right. things. So I think we also need to take note of that. This is not all of a sudden, like you said, you go to the Grand Canyon for the first time and you just step right at the edge and then you just fall off. I mean, it can happen that way, but typically the pattern is not that. So, you know, this isn't something to all of a sudden be gripped with with fear with, but something that we should have a we should be sober-minded as I think as scripture talks about in the way we live our life around this issue. Jim, as we wrap up, what's kind of one piece of advice, even counsel that you would give somebody listening to this just to help them sort through those who have fallen, maybe those they know personally, and then preparing for others to come in the future? One piece of advice. Wow. I think uh, perhaps the ultimate piece of advice is, is then in, in light of what you just asked is you got to keep your, your eyes focused on Christ because he never fails. He never he never disappoints uh, in that regard. And I think that that's not just what you do when somebody you respect and love falls, but that's how you keep from falling. And, and a man walking in a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, looking to Christ, abiding in the vine as a branch day by day, is somebody who is taking heed of themselves and and that man is not going to fall it's good one final word i'll give is that i think from an emotional standpoint of trying to sort through this because as we were talking about a range of emotions you could feel through this i think the best one to try to embrace is sadness Mm. 
because sadness is a good emotion in so many ways because sadness leads us to have compassion on others. Mm. So to have a pastor fall, whether it's a friend or whether somebody you respected and loved their ministry from afar, you know, to feel a sadness for the name of Christ, a sadness for that individual, their family, that ministry, all that's being affected. There's a lot to be sad about. Right. That will create a sober-mindedness that like anger and even being judgmental won't. And it creates a compassion that will lead that I think will cause us to be cautious personally. It'll also give us a compassion towards those who have fallen that will lead us to pray for them, that will lead us to reach out to them maybe and, and be gracious to them as we try to help in whatever way we can. That's so, good. Because yep. I think sometimes, yeah, you're so disappointed in them and you're so focused on the hurt they cause to others that I think they can be left to founder a bit and uh we can lack compassion there. That's right. So sadness, more sadness leads to compassion. That is a helpful way to process a fall like this. If somebody with somebody you know, um, or somebody in your church or whoever you're having to serve with. So Jim, would you take a minute and, and pray for pastors listening to this and everybody listening to this that, that God will will keep us because He can. He He promises to keep us in Christ, right? And He can keep us to be faithful in our ministry. So we pray to that end. Our Father in heaven, this is a a sad and weighty topic, and we recognize that we are both men and that we are susceptible to causing great harm uh, to our flocks and to our families. And and so, Father, we do pray that today and uh, if you give us tomorrow that uh, we would strive to walk with you and, and be in your word and maintain a good conscience before God and man. We, Father, pray for churches and families and even men who used to be in ministry who have uh, suffered in this regard. And, Father, we pray especially for those flocks, and we pray especially for wives and children whose lives have been devastated by the actions of a a falling pastor. But, Father, we would pray that uh, these men themselves might know a deep sense of repentance that they might have restored to them the joy of their salvation. And, Father, whether or not they ever uh, open their Bibles in public and speak another word in the name of Christ, uh, we pray, Father, that they might know a hope of heaven. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.